What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Built Different Podcast. Our mission, to spark hope, encouragement, and motivation in and through your life today. When you finish a podcast, our hope is that our community would be inspired to live different, to live freely and boldly because of the love of Jesus. We'll be your hosts. I'm Zach. And I'm Brooke. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Build Different Podcast. We're pumped to have you guys. And today we have a stud of a guest, none other than one of my dear, dear friends, Alex Bachman. Um, He is an absolute standout at Wake Forest as a wide receiver, helping his team on to some crazy wins. And now he's currently in the NFL uh, with the New York Giants. And so I just got to sit down with him and talk with him just about his journey and how it wasn't all rainbows and smiles and sunshine cake like he has had a crazy journey and is still journeying and I think the big thing that Alex offers us today is just that Galatians 6 9 to not grow weary in doing what is right but just be expectant and waiting for the harvest so if right now you're just in a season of feeling discouraged like Lord where are you at like why aren't you showing up I'm sowing 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 where is this harvest that you promise this is the story that you want to hear today Alex will provide you with some encouragement some wisdom and a little inside look into what the NFL and professional sports world looks like for any of you NFL fans out there Um, but I was reading in Mark 9 this morning and It was talking about an interaction that someone had with Jesus that kind of reminded me of the tone of this interview. And so I thought I'd read it real quick before launching into the interview. And it's talking about how Jesus gets met with a man whose son has a demon. And so the father comes to him and is like, Jesus, if you can, please like send this demon out of my son. And Jesus says in verse 23, If you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And the man immediately responded and cried out to Jesus and said, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Now that phrase just really stood out to me. I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I feel like that's the cry of our hearts and definitely the cry of Alex throughout moments in his journey. And it's like, Lord, I do believe in what you're doing, but I'm getting discouraged in my current circumstances. And so, Father, because I trust you, help me in my unbelief. So Alex is going to give us some wisdom how to fully rely on the Lord and put our trust in him. So get ready to get your life rocked for a little bit of Alex Bachman right here. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brooke. Great to be here. Well, we all know, Alex, you're an absolute stud. So you went to my same high school. What's up, Oaks Christian? Go Lions. Then you headed to... maybe. Yes. You headed to Wake Forest, Division I program for four years. Absolutely balled out as a wide receiver. Was complete standout. Helped your team win so many games. And now you're in the NFL. What's up? Played for the Rams a little bit, now for the New York Giants, and you're absolutely killing it. But what our audience doesn't know is that you're, like, honestly, like my big brother. You are in my older brother's grade in high school, and I just look up to you so much. And um, I think your story will really speak to a lot of people just about resilience and grit. And if people right now are just feeling discouraged and they feel like obstacles are being placed in their way just listening to this podcast will hype them up so i'm just so glad that i get to talk with you me too brooke thanks for, so much for having me yeah uh, what people don't know is your your family came out here a couple weeks ago i got to see you yes then your mom sent me that video of you actually do it without the rope so oh shoot yes so um, i'm a little jealous i'm going out this week hopefully i can i can mimic that you know yes come on so alex lives in texas right now and 
we went to our family vacation a couple weeks ago to Lake Travis and we're like, Alex, you got to come over. And so he ended up just bawling out, wake surfing. You know, we did some karaoke. He did some mom's spaghetti, lose yourself. Shout out. (laughs) And so, yeah, diving into kind of like your journey a little bit, um, Alex, I know there's probably a lot of people listening who are just curious about the NFL professional athlete lifestyle. There may be students right now who are aspiring to get there, the MLB, NBA, NFL, or just people are super interested in it. Like I love watching ESPN and we're just wondering like, what the heck does a day in the life of a professional athlete look like? So Alex, can you give us a little sneak peek behind the curtain? Like what does your day-to-day grind look like? Like what's the dedication needed to be in the sports realm at such a high level? Uh, well, it's, it's, I'm in one of the most competitive leagues in the world. Um, and every year there's a younger, faster, supposedly kid that's coming in hungry to, you know, take your job. And there's only so many spots. Um, so everyone that's out there is competing. is not just competing to win. They're really competing for their livelihood, for their families. They got to put food on the table. Um, so, I mean, for me, I've always had a no regrets mentality. Like I've always been, I only know two speeds, zero and a hundred. I don't do anything in between. I don't do anything half speed. Yeah. If I'm not interested, I go zero. If I want it, I go a hundred. And that's mm-hmm. been the way I've been wired since I was came out the womb. You, know, you can ask my parents about it. So, um, you know, I, I dream big. I've always dreamed big. My dad told me to do that. Um, Within reason, my dad told me uh, anything I can, you know, dream like I can go after, and and uh, you know I have have good I had good genetics, you know. Um, my dad's older brothers were both drafted. Um, one decided, to, I mean, that was back when the draft was like, I don't know, twelve rounds or something. So one of them decided to go into um, dentistry. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one played in the CFL for a little bit and the NFL for a few seasons. But um, I was always just super competitive. Yep. And everything. I mean, you know this. I know it. <laughs> I, I, and, had, I, and as I've grown, I've had together. And as I've grown, I've had to learn to really balance that because there's certain environments where um, it's not the right time to be super competitive. Yes. Um, it's okay to let other people win sometimes, uh, which is something I just like never understood. I'm like, why would I ever let anybody else beat me? Like, yeah, I want to be a winner. Um, and uh, but going into the NFL, you know, a lot of guys are wired like that. Um, and, um, you know, so it's cool to be around those guys every single day, you know, mm-hmm. guys that are built similar to you. Not everyone is to the same extreme. I, I, I firmly believe if I wasn't wired like that, um, my sheer talent alone wouldn't have got me this far. But some guys, they're not as competitive, but they're just freaks in nature. I've been really um, gifted by God. Um but every day I'm, I'm just trying to find a way to improve myself. Hmm. And, um, I don't take days off in terms of physically maybe, but like, as I've gotten into the league, I've understood more that, um, I always had a, that full go Kobe Bryant mentality. Like I always yeah. thought I would read his, I read his books. I read Tiger Woods books. I always wanted to uh, understand how these guys were wired. And I've was, as I read those books, I discovered I, I was wired similar similarly um i'm not as gifted as either of those individuals but i was wired the same and i wanted to outwork everybody um to the extremes and um there's that old saying growing up that if you know if people don't think you're crazy then your dreams aren't big enough yeah. you're not working hard enough um if and for me if i was i figured out at a young age that um you know, we're talking about the top of the top here, you know? Yeah. So yes, the NFL, I don't even know the numbers, but there's very few kids that play high school ball and go to college. And then from there, it's even a small amount of college people that go pro. Yes. And it's less than 1%. So I figured if I wanted to be the top 1% then I had to do what the 1% does, which meant I had to do nothing that the 99% of the other guys, people were doing. Mm. Um, and I figured if everybody could do it, it was too easy. So I was never really interested in doing easy things. I was always impressed with 
you know, the people on sports center top 10. I wanted to do that. I was like, that's difficult, but that takes work. Um, so I'm talking about like everything that everybody else did on their daily day to day basis. If everybody was doing, I wasn't interested in doing it. That's why I was never interested in partying. Yeah. I was never interested in partying. I'm never interested in, mm-hmm. in drinking or smoking. Cause I'm like, dude, I can get anybody to do that. Any, my grandma can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was never interested in, in that lifestyle. I was interested in doing the hard things, doing the difficult things, taking the road less traveled really. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what, what pushed me to this level. Um, you know, so going back to, to your original question, it's, it's competitive atmosphere. So every single day I'm working on something. I learned though that the Kobe Bryant mentality wasn't going to work for me because mm. I play football. I play a violent sport. I don't play basketball. Yeah. I can't, I can't run and cut and do those things at a high level consistently on three hours of sleep. Kobe could. Yeah. You know, he's shooting, he's shooting a basket. His sport is not as violent. Um, so he can work relentlessly. I have to be more, um, I guess. Smarter with your training. That's exactly. I'd be smart with my training. And uh, Julian Edelman, my first year during the offseason, he told my best friend this. My best friend relayed this to me because um, my best friend plays for the Dolphins, River Craycraft, shout out. Um, shout out. He said, you got to work harder at working smarter. Mm. Means stop working as hard because I was always doing the wind sprints. I was always doing the stadium runs. I was always doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. The stuff that, you know, your body takes a toll on your body. Work harder at the ice tub. Work harder at getting your eight hours, nine hours sleep every night. Work harder at, you know, being disciplined with what you're putting in Mm. your body. Yes. Uh, Work harder at being disciplined at what you're putting in your mind. Yeah, come on. Um, you know, so th- those are the things that as I've gotten older, those are the things I paid more attention to mm-hmm. um, because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And some of these kids come in and they w- want it to be a sprint and they get tired out too quickly. It's 17 game season, regular season. Yes. Almost double college when you include playoffs. You include playoffs and preseason. You got 22 something games if you go mm-hmm. all the way to which is almost double college. So, it's a long season. And so, um, in order to stay competitive, you just got to be a little bit more strategic with, um, how you organize your time. Yes. And so I wake up every day. Um, I make sure I am getting my proper amount of protein in, um, cause that's gonna be how I'm going to build muscle. Um, I'm always, uh, if I'm not doing something heavy lifting, I'm doing something in terms of flexibility. Um, I got a massage therapist that comes twice a week. Uh, Oh, wow all That's different cool. stuff i'm making sure i when do i have to be at the gym all right you guys move back to 9 30 all right that means i got i got i get to stay up an extra hour because now you know i can stay up an extra hour before get my eight hours sleep man like different stuff like that oh you guys moved it up an hour then i gotta get to bed earlier different stuff like that yeah always calculating my time um learning to say no to people mm-hmm. come on say no to people um but i mean i've kind of carried on for a long time but to answer your question like Finding your inch every single day is finding 1%, not, not necessarily trying to work the hardest, but working to be the smartest. Really. Yes. Come on. Dang, there's a lot of really good nuggets in there. I feel like I just need to re-listen to that section. <laughs> You're giving us some wisdom up in here. But, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a lot of life experience for, for my age, but yes, uh, come and on. I, can, I can give it all to you. you know, <laughs> Please. I love this uh, 0% or 100% mentality because... It reminds me of in the Bible when the Lord's like, uh, be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm or I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And it's like, Alex, your yes is yes and your no is no. And I feel like that applies to God's calling on our life. When the Lord says, yeah, you're going to be an NFL football player. You're going to be a surgeon. You're going to be a speaker. You're going to be a mother. We need to say yes to that and freaking go 100% in on that. Okay, Lord, I'm 100% in on that. I'm going to give it everything I have because that's how I'm going to honor and please you by being all in on this. So I love hearing that. That's so cool. Well, my, I mean, my dad, one of the thing, uh, my, my parents, both my parents instilled in me was whatever you do, work out with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for me. Come on. Yes. Come on. That's it. And, and so that, yes. that's kind of like one of the driving factors. Like I don't really perform for... I don't perform for anyone except for, for God. Like I don't, I don't, the critics, I don't, I, I do not care. Cause yes. at the end of the day, 
all I can control is what I can control. I don't control the outside. I let God take care of the rest, you know? So, yes. um, that, what that verse right there, like that, my parents have really like, mm. you know, hammered down on me as at a young age. So, um, that's all I know. All I know is going a hundred. And if I'm not, I'm probably just not interested in doing it at all. Come on. And pursuing that pleasure for the Lord, like trying to please the Lord, you have freaking beat the statistics. Like you were talking about the statistics earlier. And I found that there are over like a million high school football players and only 6.5 of the best of those get to go on to play at elite college level. Like you did at wake forest. And then only 1.6 of that 6.5 go on to play in the NFL. So like you were saying, it's less than 1%, like, like a fraction of 1% get to play at the level that you're playing at. And I feel like it's easy for a lot of our listeners and even myself before I heard your story to assume, oh, this guy's just got everything going for him. Like he obviously has been starting varsity, you know, since he was in the eighth grade. And then he just, you know, made his way to Wake Forest and had no problems. But I know from hearing your story that that's not the case. So will you give us a little bit of background Um, into your football career and some of the obstacles that you had to overcome? Yeah. um, Started playing football seven or eight years old. I want to say it was eight. Flag football. My parents weren't interested in having me play tackle too early. Protect that brain. (laughs) Protect everything. Protect it all. Growing, developing, you know, which I wanted to play tackle a lot, you know. Yeah. Like, like, you know, you're you're soft. Like, yeah. Just wait. And um, that was smooth. That was that was smooth sailing. I was stand out. I mean, I think I was the only one on my team that scored. Yeah, I think I was the only one. <laughs> you scored scored. all the points. I literally, I like I remember I remember and I, I knew I knew I was going to the pros. I was like, you asked huh. me right there, I'm, like, I'm gonna be the next Reggie Bush. Like Come that's, on. that was my oh. mentality. I would watch him on Saturdays and I'll go try and mimic what he's doing. But we get to our we got to our all-star game. My first or second year, and a coach goes around. And he goes, "Oh, there, forget this. This was super funny." I mean, I, I, my dad was right there, but he reminds me of this. Like, <laughs> um, he goes around asking the kids, like, you know, how many touchdowns did you score? Kid goes, "Oh, I scored four this year." Oh, nice. Oh, how many did you score? You know, oh, I scored six. You know, how many did you score? Oh, I scored five. And he gets to me. He goes, "How many did you score?" And I said, "24." Whoa! <laughs> and 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 the coach is like really? I was like, yeah, 24. And then I had one passing to 25. (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) You know, so, and, uh, so it was super fun. I was just loving ball. Like, you know, I was just loving ball. And so I was confident in myself early Mm -hmm. at doing that. And then, you know, carry that kind of like middle school as a standout at Oaks in middle school. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I wanted to play quarterback for a little bit. You know, I liked having the ball in my hands, having control, but um, kind of realized I wasn't going to be – I was really undersized mm. at a young age. I was undersized. I was quick. Guys couldn't get me, but, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to be tall enough to play quarterback. So my dad, my dad was a receiver, so I wanted to play receiver. Mm. Um, so I, I started to, to kind of make that shift towards once I started to get to high school. And then I got to high school, and then, like, I didn't play. Yeah. I went from, like, being a guy to just not playing at all. And it was, like, you know, it's – it's your body doesn't know you, – you, as a kid, you don't really know how to respond to that. Yeah, it's uh, probably super confusing. If you're not playing growing up, then you get to your high school and you're not playing, and you're, like, accustomed to that. But – you know, a growing developing boy, like I was always the guy and all of a sudden I'm not even like a role player. Like I yeah. touched the ball the entire season. Like and I didn't know how to respond to that. So then I began questioning, you know, questioning myself a little bit. Comments would dwindle. Uh, sophomore year. I, I'll never for, I'll never forget this. I don't mean to go off on, but there's a guy that was, um, he was our athletic prefect at Oaks. Oh, Yes. And his name was Caleb Salas. Mm. And I remember freshman year was just so bad that I was like, I don't know what football is for me. I started playing mm. pickup basketball at lunch and I was. No I was way. Playing, you were lights out. I was taking kids. I was taking kids lunch money. And I was like, <laughs> maybe I should just focus on basketball. Yeah. 
and um, you're just an athlete. And so I was in the library, and he comes out to me because it's spring ball, <clears throat> and they combine everybody's no JV varsities combine everybody together. Mm, yep. And he goes up to me, he's talking to me. Uh, he's like, how are you doing? I was like, I, I think I'm going to quit football. And um, <clears throat> he goes, why? And I was like, because it's not fun. And I don't, I think basketball is a better choice for me. And I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. He goes, oh, well, he's like, he's like, if you don't think you're good enough, then maybe you're not good enough. Oh, come on. At, I kind of looked at him sideways and he's like, dude, you're all, you're really only as good as you believe you are, as good you are. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you don't go on the field and believe you're the best player, then it's not going to happen. How about you go out today and you to talk to tell yourself you're the best player. Come on. Today, talk to God and talk to God first and then tell yourself you're the best player. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there, I was a scout team and I put me a receiver and I was going against the number one defense, the varsity defense. Oh, and I hadn't even played as a freshman on the JV team. And so Brandon was our quarterback and Brandon started slinging me the ball. And I was Come going on. on one corner and I, I had like three or four catches. I scored two or three times. And then, <gasps> oh. on a, and then on a run play, I put our corner on his back. And I remember the entire time I was going nuts. <laughs> so it kind of gave me, it kind of gave me a sense of confidence. I went back the next day and told him, Caleb, you wouldn't believe what happened. Yes. He's like, he's like, bro, I, I need, you could do it. So it kind of, it's new confidence in me. Um, I got asked to play on varsity, but I knew it wasn't going to play. Yeah. So I stayed on uh, JV my sophomore year and just had some yeah. fun. Blake was on the team, rolled a brother. Yeah. Um, and then junior year came around and they like designated me to defense only. Huh. And they told me I was like, I had a meeting with the coach. It got heated. It was one of the weirdest. <laughs> it was one of the weirdest confrontations I've ever had. My dad was mm-hmm. in the room with me. Um, he pretty much told me I was too slow to play receiver. That's kind wow. of what, realistically what he was saying. Uh, we're like, why are these other kids playing? Like, oh, this kid ran, ran this in the 100 or this and that. And mm-hmm. we're like, wow, it's going to run like two. And he just kind of looked at us like, you could tell there's doubt in his mind that I couldn't run. Yeah. Never and that's time, weird the, the time, people who are time. listening because you were running track. So that's. Oh, crazy. yeah. I was running hurdles and I was He's fast. <laughs> yeah. I was doing well. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I felt like, if I'm being honest, I felt like he kind of just profiled me he never t- he never timed me or anything um he just looked at me as you know small white boy like you know and um he, there were kids that were recruited to come to the school and play yep i wasn't so i, I got introduced to politics quickly mm. um you know i got introduced to the fact that they don't necessarily play the best players and that actually carries on as i'll, I'll talk about in the pros but um, the, plus, the, the best players don't play. The players that play are the ones that protect everyone else's pockets. So as a coach, he wants to save himself. He promised the kid he was going to play. He's got to save himself. Some booster was paying for that kid to come in. He's got to mm-hmm. play. He's protecting his pockets. Uh, GMs, they pay a guy a lot of money. They've drafted a guy first, second round. That guy has to play. There's no choice. The guy might suck. He might drop every ball. He has to play because if he doesn't, general manager looks like he's not doing his job very well because they got some other kid playing over the guy that they spent a lot of money on. Yes. I've seen that with um, like sometimes with walk-ons because the coach is giving. um, There's nothing invested. This didn't happen on my team, but I've seen it that. Um, the coaches are like, oh, shoot, like I'm not giving them any scholarship and they're actually really good. And these walk-ins will come in with this like confident mentality and they might be better, but the coaches are reluctant to play them because they, you know, they didn't recruit them. You know, coaches don't evaluate on how good his walk-ins are. Yes. And so I feel like what's so beautiful about your story, Alex, is even amidst all of that, everything that was happening you didn't grow weary in doing what is right. Like Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing what's right because in due That's time, post. you'll reap, it is, you'll reap yeah. a harvest you don't give up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, when I was praying about this, interview uh, that's just the verse that kept coming to mind so yeah. why did you post that why did you post that verse recently that uh, i mean it's, it's just been i mean that was just the that was just the, the beginning which i was like you look back on i'm super grateful that i had to face adversity early 
Yeah, come on. I really feel bad for anybody that doesn't. Yes. Because at some point you're going to get hit in the mouth. And if you haven't been hit in the mouth before at 25, it's going to be, it's going to hit a little harder. Yeah. Um, and so I went from being told I was too slow. I had to play defense. I had to find my way to a seven on seven team. I had to show up to Wake Forest's campus. I had to tell them to recruit me. Yep. They told me the story. I'm the only one that's ever happened with. I just show up on. So you walk in there and you're like, you need me to be on your team. I said, I said, I was like, I I was like, I want to play for you guys. And they're like, we don't know who you are. I'm from California. They're like, well, show us your film. I had no film and pads. It was all seven on seven. Come on. (laughs) And and they're like, and and the only reason why they looked at the film was because my receiver coach had five minutes extra out of his day. Normally he would have just like disregarded it. He didn't care. Wow. But he said he had five minutes extra out of his day and he looked at, at the film. And so they invited me to camp. Mm-hmm. So because I have, have film and pads, they had to see me in camp. And so I showed up to camp. I knew I was going to have to run a 40. I knew they're going to put me up against all their other commits or all guys they've offered. Um, I caught everything. I ran well. I went wow. to Vanderbilt, had another great camp. I was in the headline of their uh, front cover of their rivals, whatever um, page. Mm-hmm. And um, got a scholarship offer with no catches. Hadn't caught a ball in the varsity level, and I got a scholarship. Which you don't that that yeah, it doesn't happen. Like never I really, I've never heard anyone have that ever, because the coach stuck his receiver coach, who's like my second far. He stuck his neck out for me because mm-hmm. he really saw something in me. But it's a major risk because all these boosters and people like who'd you offer? The kid has not, hasn't caught a ball at the high school level, and you're going to give this kid money. Like, that could lose a coach's job yes. if I didn't turn out well. Mm. That, and that's why I talk about where most coaches are only – most people in general in sports are just trying to save their own neck and their own career. They're not necessarily – you think Jerry Jones cares about winning games? Jerry Jones cares about selling tickets, jersey sales, money. You know what I'm saying? Like That's what really makes the sports world go around is people trying to protect themselves and, and their wallets. Which you know, it's unfortunate because that's my money is the root of all evil. For me, not it's like it doesn't solve all your problems. You know, uh, I know I've learned that. Um, but uh, but yeah. So then I had to get to college. I didn't redshirt. I wasn't ready to play. For being honest, I was. I didn't redshirt. And uh, then freshman year, I played, but I didn't play. It's like that new. What's the new? Uh, there's like a new eligibility rule. Hmm. Um, where if you don't play, you can like play like four games and still get a red shirt. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do that? No, nah, that came a couple years after me. Like, no, I, I would have been one of those guys. Yeah. So I burned. I burned some. Elig- I I got my eligibility burned, which was unfortunate. Looking back though, you know, coming out and in, into the draft, like you're looked at. They look at you definitely if you're older. Like they want the younger the better. So that, that kind of in some way helped helped me. Hmm. Um. Uh, started my sophomore year, my junior year. Come on. I got a hamstring injury. Oof. Lost my job in camp, not because of how I performed. Uh, there was just the coaches had a preference. Yeah. That's just how it goes sometimes. I led the league. I led our spring game in, in catching and receiving. I was leading the charts um, for catching and receiving when I pulled my hamstring. Mm. Fought my way back. And then that was another time where I fought, I had to face more adversity, and it was like, it was it was getting bad for me. Like it took an emotional toll on me. Yeah. Um, and so I remember just going through the first, whatever, seven games of the season. And I'm just I told my parents to stop coming to games. Mm-hmm. I just told my mom, I was like, "You're wasting your money. Stop. Like, it's, it's not worth it. Like, I'm not I'm not playing. Like, I was sneaking into the building at midnight to find my film so I could send to other schools." Um, like literally sneaking in, like hood on, everything, lights were off, going to the film room, keeping the lights off, taking film off from practice, everything. Um, I was like, just like mentally, I was, I, 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 I was coming to work every single day. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I hadn't quit. I'd never quit. I always been a good team, good teammate, mm. uh, did what I was told. Yeah. And I so felt like, I felt like work- I wasn't getting what I wanted. So what got you over the hump then? Because obviously you're running in, getting these, like taking your film, sending to schools, and all of a sudden you explode and you become the go-to guy at Wake Forest. 
So what changed and how did you overcome that period of time? Because I know a lot of people listening are probably feeling that same way, maybe about their job, maybe about their work, their boss is overlooking them, their teacher doesn't see the effort they're putting in. And like, what advice would you give to that person? Keep your faith. Like keep, keep your values, never lose your values is the one thing is because a lot of people, you find out a lot about a person when they don't get what they want. Hmm. Um, you know, you don't find out about the character of a man when he's getting everything that he asked for. You find out about it when, how he responds to adversity, how he gets up when he gets hit in the mouth. Um, and so I kind of just, I did that. I was showing up to practice every day and making it my game day. Hmm. I was like, if I'm not going to get to play on game day, then I'll make this my game day. Come on. Um, and I just, I was staying on my hands and knees, but I was, I was I, my faith was starting to waver. Yeah. Because it didn't make any sense to me. Why am I not getting what I work for? Like, yeah, you're like, where's my harvest? Yeah, exactly. Where's my harvest? Like, and I started to grow weary a little bit. Um, so I was asking God just to show, like, show me yourself. Like, just please show me. Like, I was waking up and I was waking up in de- depression, really. Like, it was, there was every day I was waking up and I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't yeah. want to be here. I want to go somewhere else. I don't want to be here. And um, I had like teammates around me too. There's a couple guys that were dealing with the same thing. Really, um, we were going to uh, athletes in action together, and we were just kind of talk about it together. Mm-hmm. And um, so we played Notre Dame, and they were the number two team in the country, number one defense in the country. And um, we had a, a decent offense, but like I said, I hadn't, I hadn't played. It was we're going to game eight, and I hadn't been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little frustrating for me because the guy that was playing above me wasn't really doing much either. Um, so I felt like it was going to give me an opportunity and, you know, but obviously the Lord wanted me to wait, but like I said, I was starting to grow weary. I was, yeah. I was starting to try and take things that were out of my control and trying to control them really. And, um, so I was taking matters into my own hands and, mm-hmm. um, I remember I wake up the Monday morning before we played in our name and I had, this weird feeling that kind of came over me um, for the first time. And I've tried to describe it to people, but like I said, I was waking up, not wanting to be in that place mm. for, you know, weeks and finally I wake up and I'm actually don't have that feeling anymore. Like I'm like, Oh, I actually have oh. a positive sense in me about how this week's going to go. Mm. Don't know why. And I call my mom and I say, Mom, I don't know what it is. I don't. I can't explain it to you, but uh, something's telling me to tell you guys that I want you guys to fly to South Bend, Indiana, and, uh, and I want you guys to come to the game. Whoa. And so, no way. Yeah, my mom and dad are like, all right, like, that's fine. So we'll do that. And so uh, we go all week for practice. I'm not, I'm not playing. Like, I'm not going to be playing, it looks like. But yeah. I didn't change. I didn't change my the energy that I had, mm. and um, we are we had to stay like forty five minutes away from the hotel because South Bend has nothing that can host, mm. you know, hundred over hundred people because our teams, you know, whatever hundred guys we got coaches, medical staff, all that. Yeah. So we're driving to the stadium. It's like a forty five minute drive. I usually listen to, uh, you know, Lil Eminem, whatever hip hop. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to lose myself a little bit. And then um, I decided not to. I decided to open my Bible. Mm-hmm. And my dad always told me if I didn't know what to open to, just open up to Psalms or Proverbs. Yeah, come on. And so it was November 3rd. I, I opened up to Proverbs 3. And I get to verse 5 through 6. It talks about trusting the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Mm-hmm. So I'm like thinking about that. I'm like, cause that really stuck with me. I'm like, I don't understand any of this. This doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I'm going into my third year of eligibility and I'm not playing. I only have one more year of eligibility after this. Yeah. Like I've worked this far, this hard. I've outworked everybody. I've done the things no one else is willing to do. Made the sacrifice no one else is willing to make. You know, it's supposed to be like this. Like I've earned this. But I don't understand why this is happening. So I like kind of called God out, which I don't recommend doing to anyone calling God out. Um, but I pretty much told him I was going to give him 
one last chance. Um, which like I said, I don't recommend doing it. But I was like, look, like God, like I have literally been here talking to you the whole time. You haven't shown up for me. I've been showing up every day. Where have you been? Yeah. And um You know what, Alex? I don't think that that is wrong because um you're just like talking to God about his covenant to you. Like he promised you that like you, like he gave you this desire to play football. Then you did, you pursued it. And then you're like, Lord, like you told me to come and play football and I've been giving it my all. And like, I need you to show up. And yeah. he, like, I think he loves like hearing our heart where it's at and like being like, Lord, hold up your end of the covenant. Cause I know you always do like, where are you at? Yeah. It's true. And uh, I was just kind of like, I pretty much said that I was just like, where are you at? Show yourself. Yeah. Like reveal yourself. Cause you've been hiding from me. That's how I felt. I felt like you've been hiding from me. And, uh, we get out there and it's like the worst conditions possible. It's like 35 degrees. Of it's like 35. Just, it's just warm enough to not snow, but like cold enough. It's cold water, like coming out. Stadium's packed. Uh, like I said, we're playing the top defense country. No one had scored over 20 points on them during the season. Playing at their home place, this and that. And we get out there and first drive, the kid in front of me gets a stinger. Which Whoa. which means like he's like losing feeling like in his shoulder. Yeah. And usually it happens for like three minutes or four minutes, five minutes, whatever. Yes. Stingers in the cold don't go away though. So he was feeling it for the re- for the rest of the game. So I finally Whoa. got I got an opportunity. I got my name called. I go out there. No and, way. Yeah, and I and it was uh, it was something that I can like I can't I can't describe. I I I can't. I and I had a buddy next to me uh, who I was talking about it with, like on the field, um, but my quarterback was coming my way and I was catching everything things, balls that I couldn't see. Ooh, I, I was snagging everything. I had every ball is coming away. I knew I was catching. I had no down line. I don't care what the environment was um, over two guys. Didn't matter. And I had like, I ended up having like 120 yards and a touchdown on oh you know, the top rate defense. We balled out our offense had, th- we put up 38 points, which is almost double what any previous oh. offense had. Uh, our defense struggled a little bit, so we we came up came up short. But I mean, I was like looking up in the sky, and the clouds were like open up. I could see God's face, and it was like oh. one of those things where I was trying to like Ooh. describe to my teammate, like my team was like, "How did you catch that?" I was like, "I don't know, Davis. I don't know how I caught that. Like I couldn't even see the ball; it just stuck to my hands." Um, and it was just like one of those things where uh, I got I was the last one out of the locker room. I was getting interviewed and everything, and by the way, that that telecast was worldwide, not nationwide. It was on NBC. It was worldwide. My, our, my no pastor at the time in Israel, my pastor in Israel could see it. So like uh, Mike Tarico's calling it, and they're all kind of like, "Who is this kid?" Like, whoa. Um, so it was a pretty out of body kind of experience, um, which timed up with everything else. Like the feeling of calling my parents to come to games. My parents were yes. in the stands, and like. I remember coming out of the locker room and I saw my mom and dad and like this amount of emotion, like just tears mm. came out of my eyes and no words needed, needed to be said. And, um, so that was, that was, you know, I, that was like, I felt like I overcame the hump. Mm. Oh my gosh. Uh, but I Alex, didn't. Wait, I need to pause you there because you did firstly, just in that moment. But, um, I feel like this, story like is literally giving me the chills because it's like this moment when the Lord's like, I see, like, I see you, Alex, I see what's going on. And I see, like, I see you in your room when you're like really upset about grinding in day in and day out. And I also empathize with your story because I feel like my story was kind of similar in that in my mind, I was a starter, but I was on the bench and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? Like, I am grinding day in and day out, pouring in my everything, and I'm not getting this opportunity that I want. Like, where is it? Where is it? Like, when is it going to come? And um, I think that what's crazy is the Lord, like, collaborates with us. So it can't only be all us. And, 
most times it's not only God just making something happen. It's our preparing the field for his reign to come. That makes you build your house grow. in a rock. Yes. Come on. So it's like, uh, we need to prepare our field for the Lord to bring the rain and then he'll send it. But it takes his favor in that moment of opportunity. And so I want people listening to this right now to hear that there is hope. Like there is hope in those darkest moments when you're like, Lord, where are you? I feel like I'm doing the next right thing every single moment. But where are you? Like he sees you. That's what your story and my story both yeah. both he really, tell. Is he, he really sees yeah. you. It was definitely comforting because I felt like he like revealed himself to me. Like I was like, "Oh, power of God, right there!" Like yes. I asked for it and I got it. Yeah. And um, I thought I was over the hump, but I was. I thought I was going to start the next week, and I did. Oh shoot! Oh, so like, I, I know, I know it. You know, and I had more. I, I had I had more. Um, I was more productive in that game than the guy above yes. me was seven games yes. combined. I actually doubled his production in one game. Um, so I was like, how am I going to handle this? Yes. But I was getting more time. I was getting more opportunity and I, I had a great last couple games. Uh, we played Duke. I did really well. Uh, we played Texas A&M. I did really well. Yeah. And that question was still popping in my head. Like, I think I'm going to bounce. And, um, I had all Christmas break to think about it and my parents and, just my production, I'm like the numbers, the numbers are right there. Like, and for me, it was plain and simple. And I was really praying about my meeting with my coaches because I was going to have a meeting. And usually it doesn't go well when you're like, hey, you either start me or I leave. Like, and you give them a, whatever it's called. A, um, ultimatum. Yeah, I gave them an ultimatum pretty much. That doesn't go well with most grown men. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was praying about it. I was like, how am I going to deal with this? And um, we get to the team meeting, first first team meeting after Christmas break. And uh, we go sit down. And I told the coaches, hey, I need to meet with you after this team meeting. And they're like, okay, sounds good. And uh, our head coach announces that one of our players had declared for the draft. And uh, he was a safety. He's one of my good friends, Jesse Bates. Shout out. Um, by the way, the Bengals need to pay him. He deserves a contract extension. But um, they decided to take the guy that was in front of me and move him to safety, mm. move him to defense. And he pretty much told me, he's like, Alex, you made this possible by the way you play at the end of the year to make this Whoa. change. Whoa, that's crazy. And so it was one of those things where it's like, Okay, so you pretty much, you're just calling me a starter. I don't need to have this meeting anymore. Yeah. So, so then they asked me. Oh, well, we just worked it out. I was, like, I was like, no, I don't need meat. We're good. Like, it's all Whoa. good. So I was like, God just handled that for me. And it mm. was really crazy to see. And so um, I, didn't have, I didn't have to look over my shoulder for the first time in a while. Um, mm. Really since like middle school, I wasn't looking over my shoulder. I finally had a spot. I knew I had a spot. And had a great year. A um, couple like sports center plays and top plays and just had a, a, a good year. It wasn't nothing, anything crazy. I didn't break the record books. I had a solid year. I did what I could when I had the opportunities given to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got to the pros. Um, I went undrafted. I ran well at my pro day, but I went undrafted. Signed with the LA Rams. Um, I got injured with LA Rams after it looked like I was going to have an opportunity to make the team. Mm. And then I signed with the Giants midway after recovering from my surgery. And then I've just kind of been battling for two and a half years. Cut, you know, no job, brought back, uh, promoted to the active roster, back to practice squad, cut mm. again. Like just battling to try and find my way around the league. Like I said, there's every year I'm looked at as more of a liability than an asset because I'm getting older and there's all these newer, younger guys coming in trying to, trying to take my spot um, and spots are limited. So I'm just, I have that same fire in me I did when I was younger, but um, I've looked at like, there's, there's every test that comes like 
I've overcame, I've overcame the stuff in high school. I've overcame the stuff in college. I've overcame uh, being undrafted. I overcame being undrafted and then being injured. And mm-hmm. then coming back to New York, I had 20 guys on my tryout. Everybody left on a bus. I was the only one that stayed after recovering from a surgery eight months prior. And then I've been on this team for two and a half years on and off. When I first got there, there was 80 guys. There's eight of us left. Come on. Uh, so I've just found a way to survive. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I give a big reason of that to, to my faith. My parents have had the right people around me. And I've just kind of given it everything I got because um, I understand that's what it kind of takes to survive in this. Um, you got you got to outlast everybody else, um, yes. not just physically, but emotionally. And um, like I said, it hasn't been easy. It's been constant ups and downs. But I'm still here. I'm so blessed. I still get to do wake up and, and do what I do every day. I get to be around great uh, competitive people. I uh, meet a lot of cool people, and um, so I'm very grateful for it. Come on. I love that your story is currently still being written. Like, you've overcome so much by the Lord's grace, but it's still it's still coming. Like, the Lord well, is still moving. I yes. I look to that. Because, like, yes. I haven't, like, those final chapters haven't, haven't, been, haven't been written yet. Come on. And um, I don't look at, because of how to deal with all those different things, I don't look at adversity as what most people look at it. Every yes. A lot of people are disappointed when adversity comes. Yes, come on. I'm not. You lean uh, in. It excites me. Yes. Uh, because I look at it as an opportunity to grow. Like all those, th- all those trials that I've had to overcome, like those were all growing opportunities. I'm only like the 26 year old guy I am right now because those adversities were presented to me. Yes. Um, so I look at that as like major blessings. So, um, like I said, God, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. Um, but I talked about earlier, I feel bad for the, the kids that don't get ever have to deal with adversity early, um, mm-hmm. that get everything given to them because yes. that's not real life, real, real life, real life's hard. Real life hits hard. There's, a lot of different things that are going to come constantly. Um, and that's what God talks about. You know, this, this, this world, the world is sinful. Um, it's a fallen world. Things are going to hit. And, um, but they're all, they're all, they all go according to his purpose, all according to his plan. Come on. And, uh, he talks about asking you shall, shall receive he either. His three answers are either, um, what is it? They're never no. They're either uh, not right now or I got something. They're either yes, no, not right now, or I got wait. something better. Yes. Oh, and, yes. And um, I just look at those things like what I dealt with in high school. If I hadn't had to deal with it in high school, I wouldn't have overcome it in college. And then oh. I wouldn't be playing ball. And if I hadn't overcome it in college, that surgery my first year, I wouldn't have been able to overcome that. I wouldn't be playing ball anymore. Mm. Uh, there's different things that have kind of just shaped and developed me it's all a growing experience really. Um, and so I just look at it like that because at the end of the day, I haven't asked everybody this. I said, you know, like think back to when like you're like 15, think back to a time of, um, disappointment, um, times where you didn't understand why things were happening the way they were. They didn't go according to your vision. All right. 10 years later, like how did it turn out for you? You know, like I can't look back on anything that I went through five, 10 years ago. I have clarity on all of it, you know, because it's all worked out. It got me here. Yes. Like, you, think I, you think I'm mad that it got me here? Like, you think I'm mad that I didn't play my freshman year because it got me here? If God had said, hey, you're not going to play your freshman year, but you're going to go to the pros or you can play your freshman year and you're not going to make it to the pros. Which one? Come you on, that's good. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's all... Yes all going according to his purpose hmm. we have a, a thought process we can only think about what's like right in front of us we have no idea what's going to happen 10 years down the road god does and so we get so confused about the things that don't go our way right now but we don't understand it's really going all our way all the time oh come on alex that is your now word right now that is your now word for the people listening who are feeling overlooked underappreciated about to throw in the towel what you're saying alex is that 
what God is doing now is creating your tomorrow. Like this exact adversity, this suffering, this obstacle that you're facing is what God is using to form you into the person that he wants you to be in the future. That's it. And that's, that's James one. Like that's James one right there. Like consider nothing but joy when you face trials of any kinds, because you know, the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect. Like you're saying, Alex, don't cut that endurance short because it'll make you mature and complete lacking in nothing. Yeah. So Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story. I wish we could talk for like 30 more minutes. Like I could just dive into every piece of it, but I've just loved having you on. And I know that this journey you've been through and what you've learned about adversity and suffering and being relentless um, is going to inspire so many of our listeners today. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, Brooke. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Dang, that interview was so good. Wow. That was really special just to hear Alex's perspective as a professional athlete and just the suffering that he's endured and the different trials and obstacles and how that's formed him as a human and individual. I specifically loved what he said when he said that it's really going all all our way all the time. It's really going all our way all the time. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, dang, that's true. Like in a moment, we don't realize that it's going all our way all the time because I'm like, dang, like, man, I'm not getting that opportunity or I'm stressed out about is this or this or this going to work out? Or um, I feel like there's constant opposition by my friends or my family or things that are going on that I can't control. But in reality, God's invisible hand is always working. God's invisible hand is always working. And as I heard Alex talking, when he's saying, really, it's going all our way all the time, I couldn't help but think of the story of Joseph. Um, When Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, he's like, I can't, it can't get worse than this. He gets sold off into slavery. He's like, it can't get worse than this, right? But then gets thrown into prison. He's like, shoot. Man, it's, I don't think it's going all my way all the time. But in reality, the Lord works through every single one of those situations to then bring him to be the second in command over the greatest empire at the time, over Egypt, so that he could save the entire nation from famine. And so I just, I want to encourage us to reflect on the obstacles that we're facing right now that seem too big that seems like god's invisible hand isn't working because you know what it is and we have no idea the crazy things he's setting up and orchestrating that we couldn't even imagine so just be encouraged my friends it's going all your way all the time and not to invalidate the way you're feeling it is tough but just have hope and be encouraged that the lord sees you he's with you So thank you guys so much for joining us today. We're so glad to be with you and we'll see you next time on the Built Different Podcast.